Please listen carefully. Well, hello, universe, and welcome to the Optimist Daily Update. I'm Christy Jansen. And I'm Ariel Tianko. And we are part of the team behind the Optimist Daily, making solutions the news. We bring you solutions news every day in order to change the tenor of news media, social media, and the direction of your day to help us all get focused on solutions. Seven days a week, we publish positive news stories written by award-winning journalists and delivered online to your inbox and through our social channels. And also, we are sharing these solutions in a commute-worthy, walk-worthy, and trying-to-brush-your-dog's-teeth-worthy podcast. Oh, <laughs> today is Wednesday, June 15th, 2022. <laughs> So was it one of those mornings with uh, Tinkerbell? Yeah, you know, I just realized that I should be brushing her teeth. One of my other dog parent owner friends asked when was the last time I had brushed her teeth. And I thought, like, never. <laughs> I thought the sticks did that for them, <laughs> you know, like just chewing on sticks. But yeah, it wasn't really something that was on my radar. So I bought a toothpaste today and tried tried it out. She is not a fan. <laughs> but I don't know. Do you brush Tucker's teeth? I do. I, I He has abnormally weak teeth for a big dog. Uh, it's been a problem for him since he was a puppy. So I've always been tried to be kind of vigilant about his dental hygiene. Mm. Because I've been doing it since he was little, he, he actually kind of enjoys it. Oh. I mean, he doesn't like the toothbrush in the back of his teeth, but he loves the taste mm-hmm. of the toothpaste. Right. So he gets excited when I do the. He's like, I use this vanilla mint one. Oh, nice. (laughs) I don't know if mine has a flavor. Maybe that's the secret. (laughs) Did I tell you about the, he got attacked by a chihuahua last last week? I'm imagining it in my head and it's quite comical. (laughs) I know. This little tiny chihuahua. I mean, he's like a tenth the size. I mean, Tiger weighs 90 pounds and this nine pound dog came out of nowhere while I was walking around in my complex. Somebody had... I don't know if it was a visitor. I don't know who it was, but this little dog came and sought Tucker out to like aggressively attack him. Oh, wow. Didn't get more than a mouthful of fur, but Tucker responded in kind, although he's gentle. He didn't hurt the little dog. Thank goodness. Just kind of sent him a message. (laughs) But he somehow strained his back or his hip. And then for two days, he didn't want to go up the stairs. He didn't want to stand up after he was laying down. He was actually not feeling great. He got hurt. He got hurt. He got hurt. So that was unfortunate. Um, Little things attacking you can be really (laughs) scary. I want to get some little, you know, bear mace or something. Because oh. the next a few days later, another set of chihuahuas were coming after him. I don't know what it is. These chihuahuas are vicious little animals. Yeah, they can be pretty <laughs> confrontational. Totally. And then people think that little dogs aren't scary, so they don't train them. Yeah, small dogs get away with a lot more than big yeah, dogs. Yeah. yeah. I'm not a fan of little dogs compared to big dogs. <laughs> I'm going to have to agree with you there. Sorry to our listeners who have chihuahuas. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sure your chihuahuas are really well behaved. <laughs> are wonderfully behaved and not mean to anyone. But, um. <laughs> All right. Well, enough dog talk, I suppose. Should we get to the news? Yeah, let's get into the incredible designs that are coming out that are building the future. Do you want to start with your article today? Yeah, sure. My headline reads, The Environmentally Friendly Flying Ships of the Future. This is actually about hydrofoils, which caught my interest even before moving to Amsterdam. Hydrofoils were gaining popularity in Costa Rica with surfers, actually, because surfers would be kind of hovering above the water and the waves and just kind of, you know, bouncing along. But they were actually using hydrofoils. So that's why I picked this design story. Hmm. Can you 
explain what a hydrofoil is or is it going to come in your article? It's going to come up. So Okay. Lay it on me. Lay it on me. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about the environmentally friendly flying ships of the future. I like it. I know. It sounds kind of fantastical as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Electrifying transport is becoming way more popular these days considering the need to reduce fossil fuels and also just for convenience and going fast, you know, like electric bikes are gaining popularity, scooters, electric trams and trains are also becoming more common. However, one mode of transport that hasn't gotten electrified yet is ferries, which are still almost exclusively powered by fossil fuels. They are exploring other forms of power for for those kinds of ferries, like the hydrogen fuel cell ferry. There's one, I think, going around in San Francisco now, Mm -hmm. in uh, some place in Sweden, I think, is working on the fuel cell ferries. Oh, really? Okay. So this study also comes from Sweden. Oh, yeah. Okay. So the Swedes are, they're, they're trying to figure out the- Water transport. Decarbonification of, of water transport. Yeah, exactly. The Swedes are on it. We don't need to, we don't need to worry about it. Yeah. So making ferries electric is quite difficult because of the battery capacity required to power boats for long journeys and boats that are carrying heavy loads. However, new research from Chalmers University of Technology in Sweden may have just gotten us one step closer to the reality of a much greener shipping and ferry industry. So while some researchers in Sweden are focusing their energy on hydrogen fuel cells for decarbonization, these researchers here are focusing on hydrofoils, which kind of work like airplane wings. They're wing-like protrusions that suspend the boat's hull above the surface and hugely reduce its water resistance. The water resistance is the main factor in why fossil fuels need to be employed to just push the boat through the water. A quote from research co-leader Arash Eslamdust is, The electrification of ferries cannot be done without drastically reducing their water resistance, like we said. This method will allow the development of new foil designs that can reduce resistance by up to 80%, which in turn would significantly increase the range of a battery-powered ship. In this way, we could also use electric ferries on longer distances in the future. So basically what Arash Eslem Dost's team was doing was investigating how a hydrofoil system could operate. To do so, the team simulated a variety of conditions such as increased speed or load of the vessel. And from the data that they collected, it seems as though the system could be extremely effective in making this mode of transport greener and help in the design of electric-powered hydrofoil ferries of the future. It's not necessarily a new idea. The idea of adding wings to boats has already been big in the sailing world for years now and has mostly been used in elite sailing boats so that they can fly over the water at very high speed. Like the America's Cup. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But we don't just want to have them for the elite boaters anymore. Kind of like how space travel brings new innovations that then can get... Yeah, integrated into kind of the masses. Designing things to go as fast as possible, using as little weight as possible in elite sailing vessels like they use in America's Cup. Those principles, those design principles can then get incorporated into mainstream ferries. And you know, if your goal is to reduce the drag from the water significantly and find a, an efficient mode so that you're not needing huge batteries that weigh a lot and only go a certain distance, 
this is a great challenge, a great application of that innovative knowledge, which comes out of elite design. Yeah, they're just kind of at the beginning of this innovative period. So the next challenge for the team is to develop hydrofoils that have the desired properties needed for, you know, just the everyday fairies that, that the public would use. So another quote from Dost, you want the foil to be as efficient as possible, which means carrying as much weight as possible at as low a speed as possible for the least resistance. So I guess they're going to be striving for that for their next goal. Now, you also have kind of a really cool design story. Yeah. So my story also is incorporating intelligent design. And I don't mean that in the, you know, biblical sense, but innovative design principles in designing a built environment that takes the local ecological conditions into account, but uses them and uses design principles to ameliorate some of the harshest conditions. And this is a story that comes from the Indian city of Jaisalmer, which is in Rajasthan, which is the state of India that I spent time in when I was living in India. The headline reads, this beautiful eco-school protects students from harsh desert heat. Talks about a school which is focused on girls, on women, which is a really big deal when you get to northwestern India. The city of Jaisalmer, it's on the edge of the Thar Desert in Rajasthan. Female literacy ranks below 40% in this area. So the staff of a new sustainable school located in the nearby Thar Desert is aiming to change that low rate of literacy for women. And by the way, educating girls, if you focus on educating girls, it raises economic prosperity, yeah. sustainability, prosperity, and it lowers carbon footprints. It's actually a, a climate strategy. But part of the problem in this area is that it's very unhospitable. And people who live in this area have to brave scorching temperatures of 45 degrees Celsius, which equals about 113 degrees Fahrenheit, Oh man! just to get to class. So living in this area you have to design your buildings in such a way to keep them as cool as possible. And you don't have a lot of electricity in these areas either. So this is a smart design building. It's the Rajkumari Ratanavti Girls School, but it's designed to keep the school buildings cool without air conditioning mm. because of the way that it's designing, almost like the passive house but with also free flowing air. And it's designed by a New York-based architect named Diana Kellogg. The school will host over 400 students between four and 16 years old. And it's a unique oval shape that allows students to study in a peaceful environment without the distraction of blistering heat and also protection against the regular sandstorms that occur in the area. So is an oval shape like inherently cooler? Well, I, I think that there's there are some design principles there, but it's also kind of symbolic. Ms. Kellogg told Design that she wanted specifically to incorporate feminine symbols, which are found in all cultures, and the oval shape, kind of the shape of an egg, which is kind of a feminine symbol of fertility and femininity, is something that really stood out to her. She told Design, and this is a quote, I ultimately landed on this oval shape that is representative of femininity and resonated with me as the formulation of infinity. I knew I wanted to do a building that simultaneously blended and grew out of the natural landscape, much like the Jaisalmer sandstone. Oh, that's so clever. The, the way that it works, it's, it is an oval shape, but it's almost like in an oval ring. It's a 836 square meter building. It also has like 
two walls, in the outer and inner walls, and the classrooms live in between there. And then in the middle, there's a large oval courtyard, which gives outside space, but it's also protected from the elements. They've also incorporated renewable energy, solar panels, which provide extra shade, by the way. One of the, one of the benefits of putting panels up, and you see this on schools or cardboards, is it keeps the things beneath it cooler. And so in addition to that, for cooling, it uses geothermal energy system using the cooler air that is found underground to almost work as a natural air conditioning system, and also lime plastering on the inner walls, which adds an extra layer of insulation. It also incorporates a form of architecture called the jalis, which is often used in Hindu temples, but also in palaces in Rajasthan. I remember seeing this all over the place. And what it is, it's an architectural decoration made of a perforated stone or lattice screen with an, in an ornamental pattern. So it's using like a carved stone lattice work in the windows so that it allows air coming in, but it prevents some of the like sand and protects the interior with, while allowing light without actually closing off the air completely. Again, it's an homage to the local, almost indigenous practices that have been occurring in this area for centuries using natural stone, limestone, carved sandstone to sort of protect against the elements while also allowing light in. There's a rainwater harvesting system as well to collect and recycle rainwater at the school's perimeter. And it contributes to the entire community. Local builders constructed a school out of local sandstone. It helped to support the local economy, and it's part of a three-building complex called the Gayan Center. I like blank slating it and coming up with a design that isn't necessarily a box structure, but takes into account the conditions that you're building in. So in here is extreme heat, it's sandstorms, and you have tremendous amounts of solar radiation, which you can harvest that. You have some rainwater, which you can harvest, and you can also use the geothermal cooling. So that's why I like about this. Yeah, it seems to uh, to hit a lot of solutions mm -hmm. at once, you know, and all that while being so elegantly symbolic. And it is a beautiful building uh, if you look at the pictures on the website today. So that's my article. <laughs> is there anything else we want to mention from today's headlines, Ariel? Yeah, well, we have a few more stories. Spain passes new doggy bag bill to curb food waste. You can minimize effects of jet lag with this science-backed strategy, probably something we'll both be needing soon as we go on our trips. <laughs> Lynn Grant becomes first female golfer to win at the European Tour, another Swede in the headlines. And Digital Twin of Ithaca, New York, helps to plot climate ambitions. It's quite fascinating. wonder what that's about. Hmm, interesting. There's a new technique that researchers are proving can predict heart attacks with a simple eye exam, looking into your eyes to see your heart health. The Giving House, bringing hope and joy to families affected by domestic violence. And I think this is a um, an optimist change maker. An optimist yeah. change maker that came in from one of our readers. They recommended we take a look and put a spotlight on the giving house. So go look at that. That's the lead story today. We all need to vent. Here is how to do it constructively. How do you get angry in a productive way? Here's some tips for that. And radio waves can more reliably protect our data. That and more, though, on theoptimistdaily.com. Go check it out. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Optimist Daily Update. We promise to keep sharing positive solution-based stories for as long as we can. The ideas on how you can participate in the changing world 
help ensure it is changed for the good. Support us by sharing our stories on social media, forwarding our articles to friends. Whatever you do, please be a part of the solution changing consciousness that addresses our world's biggest challenges that problem solving mindset. Wait, should we talk about the interview? And tomorrow we have an interview with one of the founders of the environmental movement in the United States, Paul Rellis. Exciting. Who was the founding executive director of the Community Environmental Council, which came out of the oil spill in Santa Barbara in 1969. And he then went on to help California, the state of California, design its recycling systems. And then he got, he got into creating biofuels from organic waste. He's a really interesting figure in the environmental movement in the United States and one of the, the old guard. Man of many talents. Who understands how to be practical and, and productive as an environmental activist. So I'm really excited to talk with him. We'll be talking with him tomorrow. All right. Well, with that, I hope you'll join us and find out more about this fascinating guy. And we will be back tomorrow with more solutions. Bye. Bye, everybody.